from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's a week of Friday, March 8th, 2013, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. This week's podcast is brought to you by our favorite glasses company, Warby Parker. Warby Parker offers an easy way to buy prescription glasses and sunglasses online. They have an amazing selection of very fashionable frames, and the glasses, prescription and everything, are only $95. When you buy a pair... They'll give a pair to a child in need. It's an amazing company. How do you buy glasses online? How do you know if it looks good? Well, they have that figured out. They have a free in-home try-on program. You pick out five frames at warbyparker.com. They ship them to you for free. You try them on. You uh, send them back for free. And then you can place an order. When you do, when you do place your order, relevant podcast listeners get a free promotion. Enter the promo code RELEVANT during the checkout process, and that code will get you uh, free two-day shipping, expedited shipping, free two-day shipping. Couldn't be easier, couldn't be cheaper. It's an incredible company. I've been a customer for several years, and we're thrilled that they're partnering with the podcast. WarbyParker.com. Go check them out. Joining me here in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Maya Strang. What up, yo? Why are you talking like that? <laughs> Your hair's all poofy like Nashville. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna do a voice, you should do a more of a Nashville voice to fit the hair. Okay. So the voice fits what we're seeing. No. Okay. To her left, also with poofy Nashville hair, Tyler Huckabee. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, who working from home, so I assume he has poofy hair. Jesse sure. Carey. Hello, hello. Yes, I, I do. I get up about two hours early every morning to get the hair done. And tease it. <laughs> you tease yeah. it up. I believe bouffant is the, <laughs> the <Yes>. term. <laughs> I go through uh, two and a half cans of, of hairspray every morning. Do you have that clip from the infomercials that you can do in the back to kind of give lift to the back? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't, uh, but I, I will be sure to check out that infomercial. <laughs> my, my, my technique for preparing my bouffant uh, has, has taken several years to perfect. <laughs> so you don't need artificial devices like infomercial gadgets? Oh, no. no oh, not, not with the, the, the amount of practice I have. <laughs> and over there is our illustrious producer on the ones and twos. Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. By the way, speaking of infomercial devices. <laughs> by the way, now that you, now that you mention the topic, have you guys seen that commercial for? It's this device that you like stick in your ear and it like it's, it's cleans out the wax. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. No, yeah. No, it, I so the, the 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 infomercial starts with a guy like just kind of gently, you know, using a Q-tip in his ear. Right. That's and really hard. No to do. lie. He literally goes like this. Ow! Yeah, and, and it's like it's black and white, and it's like ever jab your brain with a Q-tip like this, and it shows the guy struggling with a Q-tip in right. his ear. It's really hard to use those Q-tips. He's not using chopsticks. Like you have he? to is jam it, it in as hard as you can a, if you're using a, a Q-tip. Sword. Yeah, it, it's almost like he's just like kind of just like gently cleaning his ear, and all of a sudden, like a spike shoots out of the end of the Q-tip. <laughs> That's how he reacts. <laughs> So but, I, of course, I immediately ordered several of those devices. <laughs> several. You only have two ear holes. 
I can't, after watching the commercial, I can't risk one of the devices breaking. <laughs> <laughs> and since you ordered them from a As Seen on TV commercial, I'm sure they will. Yeah. So yeah, you, exactly. So that's why I ordered several because what that gentleman experienced with the Q-tip <laughs> seemed extremely painful. <laughs> but if well, I know anything about infomercials, it's that if you ordered one, you probably got at least five free. That's right. true. Yeah, and a bunch of unrelated devices. A comb. <laughs> yeah, some sort of, yeah, that's things that have nothing to do with your ears. A laser level. <laughs> <laughs> a laser level. <laughs> Slash stud finder. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. If you order now, a single stitch. It's a heck knife. of a deal. I'm I'm on a, I'm on a payment plan too. So <laughs> every month they're automatically deducting like seventy nine dollars. <laughs> Seems pretty fair. But you know you are a professional podcaster, so you have to keep your ear canals in top health. If it's any, yeah, the, these ears are my livelihood. Right. <laughs> I can't be jamming Q-tips in like that guy on the commercial. <laughs> not, not, not now that I know the risk. <laughs> no fool. All right. It's, well, it's like a piano player, or like work, you know, operating a circular saw. I'm not insane. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that a circular saw is that that dangerous. Maybe a table saw where your fingers are near the blade. Any honestly, any kind of blade. The risk, the risk is too needs great. to just stay away from. Yeah, yeah. Right. I wouldn't even cut my own steak if I was a professional. <laughs> it's like when George Costanza was the hand model. Mm-hmm. He, he wouldn't shake hands. Right. He wore oven mitts. Yeah, mm-hmm. he wore oven mitts. He walked around with them held up vertically, wearing oven mitts. That's Jesse with his ears. Exactly. <laughs> I, I wear earmuffs from when I'm not podcasting or cleaning my ears with my devices. I'm wearing two pairs of earmuffs. <laughs> well, you can't. The first ones may fail. Right. I mean, it just makes exactly. Sense. I need double protection. Yeah. Guys, I just want to let you know. I just looked it up. It's called Wax Vac, and it's only ten dollars. Oh. You buy one, get one free. Is the commercial on YouTube? Oh, of yes, course it, it is. is. It's on its website. Chad, Chad can you? Can, yeah. can we just queue up the owl? Looking for it right now, Jesse. <laughs> we all know we shouldn't use cotton swabs to clean or dry our ears. They even warn us, but we do it anyway. Ah! Stop. There's a bad <laughs> is that? I, I couldn't hear that right. Is that a goat screaming? <laughs> that sounds violent. <laughs> what you don't see is that he places the Q-tip in the ear canal and then slams it with a mallet. <laughs> He wants a deep clean. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I'm, I'm watching the commercial right now, and, and I'm only concerning myself with the first five seconds of this commercial. What I love about all all of these infomercials is that the, the the product is usually a very kind of common sense device for a normal action or whatever, you know. But you know, so like something that'll help you pack your suitcase a little easier or mm-hmm. something like that. But when they show the, the the need, when they establish the need of the thing that's going to solve for you, they, it's always right. black and white. And the person has difficulty functioning like a normal human right. being. Right. Like right. doing like the most basic yeah. tasks. They can't close their suitcase. Like, and they're struggling with it. And it's just like, no human acts like that. You are solving something that no human does. They, mm-hmm. they try to flip an egg and the pan ends up on their foot and their <laughs> house burns down. Right. <laughs> or, or it's like they're using like a feather duster that somehow yes. is like causing tremendous back pain <laughs> like right. behind the TV. <laughs> That's right. Like, oh man, I really wish I had a feather duster that 
had a stick attached they, to and it. They, <laughs> and they clutch their back and like little lightning bolts are added. Right. You know? right. <laughs> little red radiation pain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if a feather duster is electrocuting you, then a new kind of feather duster isn't going to solve your problems. <laughs> this infomercial doesn't have what you need. I like infomercials. Do you? Do you really? I mean, I think they're ridiculous, but I enjoy them. The, the best one that I've ever seen <laughs> was, it was like an hour for one. And it all takes place in the, in these people's kitchen, right? Like they're having wow. a little, I think they're having like some kind of brunch It's the party. bullet. The bullet. Yeah. The yeah. bullet. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly the, the yes. whole conversation of the party becomes the bullet <laughs> at which they can make the omelets with. They took their information to a whole new level, like made it real. It was a social it, gathering. This social was gathering, there was no not, studio audience. No. This is real life. Yeah. Oh, it was like it was like I friends. was watching a TV show and the primary plot device was the bullet. <laughs> yes. Like but I got to kind of know the characters. Yeah, you did. And one of them, they like to drink, they like to party, so they made the daiquiris. Right. One yeah, of them, exactly. one of them needed a little protein in their diet. They got the omelet. I mean, there's yeah. just like the bullet can give it you guys whatever you want. Who wants who wants a parfait? I can do a parfait. You know, like the bullet the Some bullet. Salsa? Yeah, the salsa. <laughs> so. I, I just love like the, the people that created the infomercial, their commitment to it. <laughs> like after five minutes, it's like, okay, at a real dinner party, people are probably gonna stop talking about the bullet. They stretch that thing for an hour. I don't know I don't know what <laughs> dinner parties you're going to. But <laughs> but in my home, when the bullet comes up, the bullet stays up. <laughs> I mean, the whole night's gone by, and we realize we've only talked about and used the bullet. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I do like that that infomercial. Most most infomercials show the subject sort of struggling alone, like they're suffering, and there's nobody around them to help them out. Because a lot of these problems would be solved with. With, by, by getting married and having somebody married or having there. friends right right <laughs> and, be married to have their wife take care but, of these things Tyler <laughs> is that what you're getting at there yeah have your wife do the feather dusting who cares about her <laughs> yeah the bullet the bullet addresses the common person the person this person has friends they have a community but it's not enough. It's not enough. They, <laughs> friends can't fill that void. Some of your community may need an omelet <laughs> on the fly. Some of them might need a daiquiri on the fly. Mm-hmm. What are you going to use? The blender? No. No, no it's too no. messy. Yeah. No, you can't drink out of the yeah, blender. Are you, are you yeah. expecting to have a party and, and your guests not have fresh, fresh salsa? <laughs> yeah, the bullet is the glass. Right. There's yeah. no cleanup. There's no fuss. You and just no flip must. it and eat the salsa. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of party doesn't have tabbouleh? <laughs> <laughs> What we need to be careful of is that brand confusion, that, that in this kind of movement toward gun reform, that there isn't mm. legislation passed that would limit America's ability to own and procure bullets. Mm-hmm. Because that's true. It's, a, it's the fabric of our society. The wording, the wording could get really confusing in, some of, in that. And before you know it, we don't, not only do we not have bullets, we don't have that infomercial anymore. We don't have parties. <laughs> yeah. We're all starving to death because there's nothing to eat anymore. Because of gun reform. Make food with. Thanks, Obama. I'm tr- yeah. <laughs> See what you did, you socialist. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what you've wrought with your yeah. own hands. What about Obama? Queso? I read all the Drudge Report. He's going to do this. <laughs> Obama hates Queso. <laughs> I'm trying alone to make an omelet in my house with a spatula. The Drudge Report. Headline would be red in all caps, and Obama hates queso, and that would be the, the story about gun reform. Yeah. And could you argue with him that time, Mr. President? Take your hands off my tabbouleh. <laughs> this could be part of our dance 
platform. Yeah, this is definitely yeah, a the dance, dance party. The dance party would so never. The dance party. Bullets. Our, our third party, the dance party, uh, from a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of the platform planks now is going to be pro bullet. Pro bullet. Anti gun. Mm. Pro bullet. Ah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> An important distinction. <laughs> the foundations of our democracy rest on this. We're in favor. This of This is the control. kind of nuanced legislation we're hey, talking. about. The yeah. Second Amendment said right to bear arms. A bullet is an arm. Mm-hmm. You know. So we don't. We just don't have any. We just don't advocate for the devices to mm-hmm. project the arms. And if banning bullets is wrong, then we don't want to be right. 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 Yeah. We are pro bullet. Then Canada, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> so we tried to shake things up with the format last week to try to make it a little more accessible of a show, a little less insidery right up front. Didn't work. Well, there you go. You can't you can't muzzle a wild horse, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Some stallions just can't be broken. <laughs> Do you muzzle horses even? I'm not I'm not a cowboy. <laughs> You're from Nebraska. Yeah, you, you wear, wear denim. denim. You yeah. wear boots. Yeah, we were more. We we had more chickens than. <laughs> You're more of a chicken, chicken boy. <laughs> I was more of a chicken man myself. Um. We have a, a great show lined up. We have two big guests Ooh. lined up today. It's getting crowded in here. We better we better get the bullet out because it sounds like a party. <laughs> Best selling author, pastor. Uh, we we learned Justin Bieber's pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Judah Smith is coming up later. He has a brand new book out called Jesus is Blank. It, it's not blank. It's a line. Right. Kind of like the MySpace logo. Also, Sandra McCracken, uh, wife of Derek Webb, even though they have different last names. Uh, Singer-songwriter has a great new album out. Chad is a huge fan. I am. It's great. She's coming up later as well, so stay tuned. Uh, A little housekeeping note. Again, keeping it inaccessible for new listeners. I'm going to do a housekeeping note right up front. Next week, Jesse's not going to be on the show. That's right. That's right. You know why? He's going to have a baby. Oh, That is correct. (laughs) Jesse Jr. He's going to be standing next to his wife. Yeah, well, my wife is having a baby, but I I will be there for support. (laughs) So Jesse will become a full-fledged man next week. (laughs) So so he won't be on the podcast while he's becoming a man. Yeah, I got a lot of things to figure out in the next week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going into a whole new territory here. I figure seven days is more than enough to to tackle the reins of fatherhood. Right, figure it all out. And that would be fascinating to listen in on Jesse giving birth. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. We're not no, no we're not. We're actually broadcasting live. <laughs> yeah, from <laughs> remote. From, from Jesse's hospital room. From the hospital room. From, from from the hospital room. room. <laughs> will love that. Have you, uh, have, you, have you been reading books and stuff? Are you prepared? I, well, <laughs> as you guys know, I, I mentioned this. I didn't tell any stories from it. I do have one that I can tell. Um, I, I took a, a an extended like child birthing class. Oh. I didn't. It was know. six weeks. Six weeks. Wow. The thing's over in like an hour. You don't. I mean, this prepared you for every possible scenario. All right. It, it was it was two hours a week for for six weeks. Every possible scenario. Every possible scenario. I mean, th- okay, think about this. We talked about childbirth for for twelve hours. <laughs> we covered a lot of ground. Twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the class, right? And I got to ask you guys a question about social protocol here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're nothing so, if not experts in social <laughs> protocol. <laughs> well, because I think Dane and I are, are different. Uh, we have different takes on. We have different positions on this issue. Okay, so. 
for the first four weeks of the class, right? And remember, these are two-hour classes. Mm -hmm. Well, let me set the stage real quick. There is probably about eight couples there, right? Okay. The seating arrangement is in sort of a horseshoe, Mm. okay? okay? With the teacher in the middle. We showed up late for the first couple of classes and ended up sitting like on the side of the horseshoe, which aren't great seats. Right. Sure. But after about four weeks and everyone's sitting in the same spots every week, it's kind of assigned seats. Am I right? Sure. Sure. Like, I mean, it doesn't, the seats don't have your name on them, but my interpretation of this setup is everyone's been coming here for over a month now. We know where we're sitting. So there's another guy in the class that is sort of fashioning himself as a class clown, you know, like he's always making comments, sort of obnoxious, but the type of dude that he's pretty sure the class is his, Mm. right? He's got his, the friend group in the class revolves around this guy and his wife. Okay. So we, Dana decides one week, hey, I want to get there early. My back is hurting. I can't sit at that weird angle anymore. I want to get a seat in the middle. So we show up and we sit and I'm like, Dana, what what are we, what are you doing? We can't sit here. There's established seating already. I mean, these seats aren't reserved, but in effect they are reserved. Are you guys with me on that? Of course. Totally. It's like church. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. I said, what if someone was sitting where we normally sit in church? Would that be weird? And she's like, no, I just want to sit here. We're early. Who cares? So we sit there, right? And I'm like, oh, no. And and I'm just trying to keep my head down. The other couple walks in. I can't even make eye contact. Okay? He walks. He's got, he's got a pillow and a blanket. You bring that to the class. He's walking. He's kind of, hey, hey, what's up? What's up? And he walks, and he stops right in front of us. And it's like kind of looks like, what? It doesn't say anything. And just does like an over dramatic, like swings one leg and walks to the other side of the room. Uh, and him and his wife sit down. I look over once a class started and he's staring right at me. Ah! <laughs> he what he saw was a power play. <laughs> okay. So you, you sat in the guy's seat who is the self appointed um was this that's the right. was this the clown? Metaphorically oh, clown. and literally, I okay. took his spot. Right. <laughs> okay. Wow. Because now people are chatting with me. I'm in the middle of the room, you know, sure. and I'm right, not gonna be right. rude. I'm gonna chat with the other people. Oh. But they're not chatting with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm all concerned. I tell Dana that next week there's no way I'm sitting back in those seats, and she says, "Yes, we're getting there early, and we're sitting there." <laughs> okay, so every week a different couple is assigned to bring snacks. That couple is assigned to bring snacks for the final week. Well, guess who decides not to show up? Wow. Yeah. We didn't get snacks, but I feel like we kind of won the situation. <laughs> sure, they didn't just actually have their baby. Oh, no, they called and told the teacher, sorry, we're just not going to be able to make it tonight. Uh. Hold on. Now, your wife said the reason why she wanted to change seats was that her back hurt and she won. She needed to sit in a different place. You are more concerned about what some dude <laughs> thinks of you than the comfort and well-being of your pregnant wife. That's let what you're say, saying? Let me, let, let me say this. It's only a two-hour class. <laughs> she can get up and stretch. We have, we have, yeah, there's a five-minute bathroom break. In the so let me say that. Is two hours of discomfort for her worse than an hour of, of uncomfortable scenarios with me thinking about the situation, worried I might run into that guy somewhere? You guys tell me. I, you, I'm yeah. not the judge of this. Yeah, you're at Baby's R.S. You turn the corner. 
there he is. There he what is. do you do? Oh, no. oh, I guarantee we wouldn't talk, but it would be incredibly awkward. <laughs> or worse, he would he'd want to talk to you. He'd have some questions hey, that you would have to answer. There'd be a huge elephant in the room because I don't know if he'd bring it up. He might. I can, that's the thing. I was thinking about this all week. <laughs> so she put me through. I was lying awake. Thinking, oh, man. What would I even say? You know, be like, oh, sorry, it wasn't my call, man. You know. <laughs> You know, you know. You could you you could have that at least because he would probably agree that if his if his pregnant wife had asked him to switch seats, he would have done no, it. No, what if his pregnant wife got a backache because of Jesse? Oh yeah, and now he's got oh, a beef with yeah. Jesse because he went home. His wife's griping nonstop about why didn't you say something? They took our seats. Now I have a backache, and then he's mad at Jesse because of what he had to go through. And I know why they didn't come that last week. You don't go to a class for five weeks and bail on the last one, especially right. when it's snack night. he sent a message loud and he sent the message clear and it was received I hope I don't run into him now because we went snackless the last night so he made everybody suffer because of your selfishness yeah exactly and I think people were kind of mad at me but what am I going to do I ruined the whole social dynamic of the class is what I'm saying All right. well um, you know what we, we should do you know baby baby Carrie's coming into the world Maybe I, I know that he and Dana have already picked out a name, but maybe we should open we, we up. In fact, have <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we should offer up some suggestions from the relevant oh. podcast community. Oh, maybe the middle name. Maybe Crowd, the middle name. Crowdsource. Crowdsource the name. Mm-hmm. Twitter name. My yeah, baby. That's right. Worked for you. Your baby. Twitter name. Our baby. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Getting out of here. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, maybe, maybe we, you know, maybe, maybe. You know, they think they love the name that they picked, but maybe they'll see something that's, that's so that's super true. Th- yeah, you know, that's until true. the the inks on paper, right? Uh, with the birth certificate, we, you know, anything could happen. You know, we got to look at the date. So it's uh, it'll be born on the day that Wizard, the Great Wizard of Oz, is released. Mm-hmm. And I'd already suggested to Jesse that he that he named the baby Oz, but it was not no very well received. I think you got to well, go. I, I, think you I said go with I would James be Franco. willing to name it Oz if I can name it Oz Franco. Yeah, he said Oz. But see, Franco, Franco to me is a better first name. Franco Carey. Franco Oz Carey. It sounds like Frank O'Carey. Franco Oz. Yeah, Frank O'Carey. And <laughs> hey, I'm Frank O'Carey. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's see what else. It's it's spring. It's March. March Madness, um, Carrie. March Madness. Carrie. March Madness. Uh, I, yeah, I yeah, mean, Dean, all of these work. Like you know? Dean Smith or Dickie V. Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if people want to tweet at Relevant Podcast, uh, you know, after this releases, some, I will at least. Well, you at least consider the names that come through. You'll read them. How about uh, that? I, I will read them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a chance down the road uh, he could have some siblings. So that's true. You might as well send him over while I'm in that mindset. You know. <laughs> That's good. All right. All right. Well, that'll do it for intros and our Warby Parker spotlight. Stay tuned. Coming up next, Relevant Recommend. The song you're listening to right now is from one of the sponsors of this week's show, the band Avian Sunrise. 
Shortly after their establishment as a band, vocalist Brian Werecamp's sister lost her battle with depression, and that tragedy would become a major driving force for Werecamp and the rest of the members to write music that connects with others, no matter what facet of life one is going through. You can grab the band's latest release, Little Visits, for free on their Facebook page and watch for new material to be released in 2013. In the summer filled with snow, I don't want to go, but I know I can't stay. You're listening to Avian Sunrise. The song is Little Visits from their new EP. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Boy with the song Little Numbers. So Little Numbers, Little Visits, I think we have a theme. Little Carrie. Little Carrie. Little Jesse Carrie. Yeah, little Jesse It's just Lil. Lil. <laughs> Sorry. It's legally just Lil. <laughs> Apostrophe. <laughs> I like it. Well, it's time for Relevant Recommends, our, our kind of reformatted segment where we tell you what's coming out in entertainment releases, but also um, we tell you a few things that we're listening to and uh, music that, uh, well, we'd recommend. Uh, we do this in the magazine. We do it in the iPad edition, and so we figure we bring it to the podcast. Yeah, we'll start out with movies. A uh, movie's coming out on Friday, March fifteenth, which is also the Ides of March. Mm. Mm. Beware of these movies. The Incredible Burt Wonderstone, the Steve Carell. I cannot wait for this. This actually oh. looks, looks, pretty, looks great. pretty funny. Yeah, it's either going to be fantastically funny like Anchorman, or it's going to be. But then they put Jim Carrey in it and his overacting face. <laughs> just his overacting face. Just, yeah, everything else is fine. Floating, disembodied head of Jim Carrey. <laughs> Never bodes well I for a movie. I have been waiting for for like a a, a magic send up for a long time, mm. and I, I'm really excited about this. This is good. This looks good. Uh, the the call with Halle Berry. Oh, that looks she, where she's scary. trapped in a phone booth. Does, it, does that look like a made-for-TV lifetime movie to anyone else? It does. Like not just the plot, but the production value. I I don't know. I don't know why actors do movies like that every so often. Uh, because they get paid. No. Mm-hmm. Upside Down, Kirsten Dunst, Jim Sturgis. And uh, last and least, Spring Breakers, uh, James mm-hmm. Franco, Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens. James Franco. It's getting really well-reviewed. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a self-aware look at the overindulgence of Spring Break and stuff like that. I'm not recommending it in any way. I mean, they show all the overindulgences and it's stuff. H- but it's hard to tell if it's satirizing it or exploiting it. Yeah. Or both. But it's getting well-reviewed. But it is getting well-reviewed. Which is odd. It, it almost looks like one of those, you know, kind of 21-ish party movies matched with like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With a little James Franco. Yeah, with a little 127 Just a touch of 127 later. hours Somebody, three. <laughs> somebody <laughs> on spring break has to saw his own arm off. So, <laughs> it's a really hey, bad spring He break. also happens to have cornrows and a gold grill. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for music, um, here's some new releases that we're listening to that we would recommend. Well, I've been, and, and I say this with a little bit of hesitation, because I'm usually very skeptical of these sort of classic rock stars who come back with their first album in, in, in five, or in this case, in ten years. But I, I will admit that I've been surprised by David Bowie's new album. I've really? I've been really enjoying it. It's streaming on iTunes right now. It doesn't come out till next week. But, uh, but, but it sounds really, really good, and it's getting very well-reviewed, which a lot of these guys also... I mean, the Rolling mm. Stones' most recent album did not get well-reviewed and shouldn't have. Springsteen is sort of middle, it gets middling reviews, and sometimes positive reviews. But uh, but I'm a big fan of of the next day is the name of the album and it sounds it sounds very different it doesn't sound like David Bowie is just using a bunch of old tricks that he used back in the 70s it sounds like he's been listening to music for the past 20 years which is sort of surprising for a lot of these guys and and uh, I'd recommend it. 
Very cool. Where are we now? Where are we now? The moment you know, you know, you know. Well, the new album that I've been uh, listening to, well, back in the day, I was uh, a big fan of the Get Up Kids. I don't know if anyone else. Oh, saw yeah. come on. Oh, no, I love Get Up Kids. Ah, I was a big you fan. You young whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, from a Matt Pryor, uh, I don't know if anyone, uh, a lot of people may have still followed his career post Get Up Kids, but his band, the New Amsterdam's, put out a new mm-hmm. uh, record this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of got a cool alt country sound. Um, still has some his sort of you know pop punky indie flair but a bit more gritty and a bit more grown up uh but the album which is on itunes and you can also stream it on spotify is called outroduction and it just came out this week tell me what you want your family and friends to think we can't pretend we can't One that I've been listening to is uh, from a band called Citizens. Uh, yeah. Maybe you've heard of these guys. They're from yeah. uh, Mars Hill out in Seattle. And uh, we've recently had on the podcast uh, Dustin Kensrew from the Modern Post, which is another Mars Hill band. Uh, Citizens, kind of it kind of reminds me of a little Peter, Bjorn, and John kind of pop, oh, okay. indie pop rock sound. Um, but it's pretty good. Their, their, uh, their new album just came out. I once was dead in sin, alone. Well, I have one. It's oh. not a new release like your three. Mine is a recent release, mm-hmm. but it's new to me because some very generous person got me three vinyls last week to celebrate uh, uh, Relevance 10-year anniversary. It's a oh. very generous gift. Uh, Chad got me, and he picked out three amazing selections, but one I have not been able to stop playing is the Toro Imoy mm, album. Yeah. So good, it is isn't un- it? Believable, and I, we've talked about it about a month ago when it was coming out. Kind of like it was, it was buzzing and stuff like that. I just this album supersedes whatever singles you've heard. It's an amazing piece. Go get the Tori Moy album from start to finish. Yeah, here, here, here's here's a clip of it. You'll, it's amazing. All right, well, that'll do it for Relevant Recommends. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. This week's podcast is sponsored by the book, Dirty God. Grace Explained is helpful, but Grace Experience changes everything. In Dirty God, Johnny Moore does more than explain grace. Through his powerful and personal examples, he helps the reader experience grace. You can pick up your copy of Dirty God wherever books are sold. You're listening to Foles. Is it in Foles a sort of horse? 
It's a young horse. A young horse. Yeah, yeah, a baby horse. So last week we it's heard the goats. As a, as a Nebraskian. The, go, the goats, <laughs> goats we know sound like humans, if, if you listen to last week's show. When they scream. And now foals we know can sing like beautiful angels. That's mm-hmm. true. The song is My Number from the album Holy Fire. They should have called it Foley Fire. Seems like a real missed opportunity. <laughs> I think Foley's are different. I think those are the sound effect people for old Hollywood. <laughs> Big fan yeah, of the Foley artist. If there was a Foley Fire, it'd be terrible for the movie industry. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Or it'd all be fake. They'd just be making the noises. Oh, that's good. <laughs> they make oh, yeah. It's rumbling oh, paper. Get out. I can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. Running along. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here. My, you're just like that guy from Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> Dream job for me. <laughs> All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Well, we uh, we alluded to this in uh, slices on the website this week, but I thought it'd be interesting to to talk about um, that the the miniseries, the Bible, that's currently running on History set some ratings records when it debuted last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the highest rated scripted cable show of the year. Wow. Um, we initially, it was some initial reports was that it had won Sunday night, but now it's getting back bigger numbers for the History Channel than even The Walking Dead does for AMC. Wow. Yeah. Um, so in light of this, Time Magazine today uh, released kind of a lengthy article explaining why television uh, particularly um, some network channels, maybe start willing to take some risk on some more biblical theme programming. Uh, the story that ran in time kind of mentioned how a lot of networks kind of have a handoff approach to faith, particularly Christianity. And a lot of times there are characters who are reg- relatively marginal and their faith is used more as a plot device than uh, a real characteristic that's uh, being showcased. They, they did mention some examples like Friday Night Lights. Uh, Faith was a big part of that show. Uh, but they said with the success of the Bible, which, has, which beat everything that has aired in, in, on NBC in the past month, and, and mind you, this is a show on cable, um, it may spur some TV executives to start trying to develop some more uh, Christian programming. Now, uh, I, Cameron, I know you and Tyler both watched the the premiere in its entirety. What were your opinions of it uh, this past week? We both enjoyed it. It's a very ambitious project, I think was Cameron's initial review, and, yeah. and I agree. They're taking on, a obviously, a, a massive book, a very long story, and even in 10 hours, uh, which is about the running time of the entire series, that's a lot to to bite off to try to chew. And it did feel a little bit rushed sometimes as a, yeah. as as you're just bound to have happen in a series like this. It's an impossible expectation. I mean, it, it, I applaud its production value, its ambition, its agreed. Its initiative, its purpose, its quality. I mean, when you know that the whole thing was shot in Morocco and it's all these English and Scottish actors and it's I mean, it was a global footprint that this production took. I mean, that's not a small amount of money. Uh, it was well done. It was done by believers, so mm-hmm. it's not like a History Channel production of the Bible, and it's just like you right. know lampooning or just gets it wrong or whatever. I felt like the heart was right, and I thought that was an interesting because they had to adapt the story. They had to leave yeah. pure literal scripture to make it more narrative, and so you know mm-hmm. you want to make sure that it's in good hands. The challenging thing is like, wait, wait, they skipped Joseph entirely. Yeah, 
and they Jacob. Sk- they skipped Jacob entirely. You know, so like all of a sudden, like major, formative, powerful, uh, dramatic moments of, of Scripture are going to have to be missed because of the sheer breadth of it. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if somebody's watching it and don't... Well, things have jumped around so fast. If you watched it and you weren't a believer or you didn't know Scripture... You would, I think there were moments that would have been confusing or moments that were super powerful that we had to just fly right through right. that would have been really powerful for a non-believer or didn't know it. And it's like, ah, I wish we could have slowed down right there um, and built out some of the drama. But um, and, like, and some of the casting things, like Moses. Moses, the Bible says, had stuttered, and he was meek, and he was not a leader. He was not bold. In fact, God had to basically drag him into the position of being mm-hmm. kind of the leader of the... Uh, the, the Exodus, and, and 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 but the Moses that was cast was very self-assured and very bold and very like leaderish, and it's like, oh well, that's not so. Like the story of Moses is actually even more dramatic from just even a Hollywood standpoint. If he would have been cast and directed so. yeah. to be what the Bible kind of implies he was, which was kind of a bashful, shy, unsure person, mm-hmm. and so you're kind of going ah, but. That said, that's nitpicking, right. you know, and so I applaud it. The thing that scares me is that Hollywood is unoriginal and follows trends. You do a fairy tale movie, there's ten fairy tale movies that come behind it, and there one is worse than the next. Mm-hmm. And you do a, you know, whatever the trend is, sure. if it's successful, there's going to be copycats. And while Mark Burnett and Roma Downey had both the resources and the heart to do this ambitious project right. Who knows who's going to do these follow copycat stuff? What, what do you attribute the success of the the debut to? Do you think people are? Do you think television audiences are legitimately hungry for this type of programming, or do you think it was just something that was relatively unique and a lot of people tuned in to see what the first one was going to be all about? A uh, little of that, but I think they did a brilliant job of sharing their heart with the Christian church community and leaders like Rick Warren and every prominent pastor, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Myers, I mean, they're tweeting ad nauseum, we Christians go support this, watch this, talk about this, share this. And I think that there was a moment that, you know, it was a unique moment where the church rallied behind a project because the church leaders trusted Mark and Roma, Mm -hmm. right? So again, if it's just a production company doing a Bible story, it's not going to get the same. There's a major uh, movie in production right now on Noah. Russell right. Russell, Russell Crowe yeah. is starring in it. Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky is directing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a stunning cinematic piece. I guarantee you Rick Warren and Joyce Meyer and T.D. Jakes will not be tweeting, go support this, because they don't know what it's going to do. They don't, <laughs> they don't they know don't. where it's going to go. They don't know if it's going to be true to Scripture. They don't know if it's going to be positive or well, negative. They they, I mean that they might go to some past. They have they have reached out to relevant to relevant in the past to see if we'd be interested in in visiting at least the set, which we have not done. But we will. We, will. we will. We'll yeah. cover it. We'll cover right. it because it's interesting yeah, that it Hollywood's is. even doing this. Mm-hmm. But yeah. my, my my concern isn't that that won't be a cinematic thing. My concern is that this was a lightning in a bottle thing, like Passion of the Christ was, where Agreed. where it was like. The production was right, it was unique enough, and the church rallied behind it. I think that the viewership was the church saying, we need to watch this, and mm-hmm. they watched it. I don't think it was just... I don't think if there's 10 of these a year that there'll be the breakout success that this one was, because no. it's it's frequency, you know? It's diluting a 
audience, so to speak. And and I don't think Christians want to watch just Bible stories. Yeah. That, that's where Hollywood that's doesn't huge. understand that's, it. It's that's like huge. Christians just want to have their faith and life portrayed in entertainment. It doesn't all have to be Bible stories, you know? And so, like, I think this is a great Bible story, a great production for the Bible story. But that doesn't mean that we as Christians want to go support 20 of these a year. You know what I mean? There's just more to our interest in that. Nor could we. So it's it's interesting. I'll be curious to see where, you know, what happens from this. Um, if you didn't tune in, it's worth it. Um, oh, yeah. Because, you know, growing up, flannel board Jesus and your own reading of Scripture, you have your own mental image of some of these stories. So to see somebody else's interpretation of some of the stories is uh, challenging and interesting. I'll tell you something else I did not envision was uh, was Kung Fu Angels in <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. Ninja <laughs> Angels, man. They were awesome. Uh, when, they, when they whipped out, and they did whip out, each one was a, it was dual sword, uh, dual sword wielding angels. And went matrix on the on the people of Sodom and Gomorrah who were trying. I mean, it was in self defense, and the Bible does say that that the angels uh, struck the people of Sodom and Gomorrah with blindness. In this case, that that meant a lot of uh, roundhouse kicks to to their faces, and and it like was, I said, dual swords. Now, what was it? Was it dual, biblically dual accurate? Katana blades. <laughs> was it biblically accurate? I don't know. Was it awesome? Absolutely. It yeah. Was, did I get yes. the basic gist? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also good to see Ninja Angels. You betcha. Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Angels should would be a spinoff series that, uh, that Roma Downey and Mark Burnett will be producing this fall on NBC Saturday morning. I would think that would also <laughs> be pretty popular. That would break a few records too. Teenage Mutant Ninja Angels. I love it. Touched touched by a Ninja Angel. <laughs> well, and by touched, you mean round touched with the, their foot. If you're touched by a Ninja Angel, you don't have an arm any longer. Yeah, it was no, cut off. Because they had, they had the dual katana blades. Cool. What am I? Well, the UK um, has a company called the Meaningful Chocolate Company, and they make Easter eggs with the packaging that tells you about Jesus. And inside there's inserts for kids to do games and kind of like when you sit down in a restaurant and they have things, but it's all about teaching people about Jesus. Really? In the, in their candy. Apparently, this is not something that they do over in the UK very often. And after three years, they have finally convinced um, Tesco and a few other major supermarkets to um, include their their product in their stores. Now, they're only going to have 12 eggs in each store. It's about 450 stores. But they've won this. And it made me think of, I've seen like crosses at made out of chocolate yeah. at grocery stores and stuff. Sure. I don't know if they actually... Which, which is kind of weird. Yeah. It is kind of weird. Don't love that. So, but I'm not sure if we have anything over here that you can buy, maybe at the Christian bookstore. They, well, of course, they have Christian bookstore candies. That, Testaments. 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 But anything made out of chocolate. It, it, it does remind me of, a, of another interesting story that was in the news this week about a, a well-intended... Because that was a Christian company, right, Maya? Right. Called the Meaningful the, Chocolate Company. <laughs> the, there's a, there's a, uh, it's actually a uh, toilet paper company out of Finland that what they do is they put inspirational quotes onto toilet paper, presumably to give people something to read while they're in the bathroom. <laughs> and it's, it's all kinds of like interesting facts and inspirational quotes. And uh, they, they did some votes on their Facebook page of what else should we include? Well, 
they unintentionally caused a controversy when they put Bible verses on the toilet paper. Mm. Mm. Well, we did experiment. Uh, you know, we're celebrating our 10 years right now. Uh, I think it's around year four we experimented uh, printing relevant on toilet paper. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. It's a huge success. And? Uh, huge success. How did it go? Uh, we don't do it any longer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't like what people were doing with the articles. Let's just leave it. <laughs> I just found. I found it interesting that they had to struggle for so many years to get into the to the marketplace. Well, it is in the UK, right? And they're they don't they're not outspoken with it. Tough market over there. Tough market. Tough market. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. It's Brits. What do you have, Tyler? Tip my cap to a young woman in Haven, Connecticut, who was working at a Dunkin' Donuts uh-huh. when there was an attempted robbery. Somebody came to the drive-through window and tried to uh, and, and tried to mug her. Tried to actually get inside through the drive-through really? window. Tried I'm to just climb thinking, out of his. How do you mug someone through drive? Tried to climb out of his car while she was giving him. She was giving him a coffee, the, the coffee that he had ordered, and she did. She very wisely threw the coffee in his face. And then grabbed the whole pot of coffee and threw that in his face, which so he ordered which hot chased him away. He ordered nice hot coffee. coffee, and that mm. was his downfall. But the, <laughs> but I really want to give him, I want to give her a lot of credit for what happened next, which is as she was, you can see it in the there's there's a feed of the security camera, and you can hear her shout as he runs away something that it, she went dirty hairy on him is what she did <laughs> and shouted. Go run on Duncan as he was running away, which I think in the spot as a woman who was a victim <laughs> of an attempted good. mugging to come up with a, her own catchphrase. <laughs> go run <based> on Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because oh, because that's their, their marketing. America, America, runs, America, 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 America runs, runs on Duncan is, yeah. the, is the, the Duncan Donuts catchphrase. And she turned it into a, something to strike fear into the hearts of muggers everywhere. Yeah. That's and awesome. I hope she continues to use it the rest of her life because I picture for some good. for some strange reason like after she said that she like walked out to the parking lot lit up a cigarette f- threw it into the Dunkin Donuts and she walks away and the Dunkin Donuts explodes behind her. <laughs> <laughs> Don't run on Dunkin <laughs> <laughs> for no reason she blew up the Dunkin Donuts just to make the one liner that much more awesome because I because if I if somebody tried to mug me first of all I wouldn't think to defend myself at all. I would just give them money. It's not your money. Yeah, it's like, like here. Well, okay, sure. Yeah, you don't you don't own Dunkin' Donuts, the 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 company. So and what if, do you care? And if by some miracle I managed to somehow defend myself or to chase the burglar away, especially utilizing tools around you like right, a cup of hot right, coffee, going ja- like Jackie Chan type, defending myself. <laughs> And then an maybe, old painting ladder maybe. that you now, use to take out three criminals. Now we're getting really, now we're getting really improbable. But then I think of, oh, I should. This is the time to trademark my catchphrase for when I do something <laughs> right. like this. I would be at a loss. I just know that I would try to shout something, and I'd be like, "Don't go, donut." <laughs> <laughs> Don't go, donut. You forgot your bear claw, jerk. <laughs> I hope Dunkin' Donuts gives her. Don't go, donut. A raise, like, at least. She's chase... the new vice president of marketing. She got promoted. <laughs> she should be. If somebody tried to mug relevant and we chased them away, we would all we would need some sort of catchphrase. And I don't. I can't think of anything. I'm sitting here mm. thinking right now. Not under pressure of being. Don't go, donut. Thre- <laughs> <laughs> Still the same one you did. That's it. It works everywhere. Somebody help me out. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. That'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Judah Smith. Are we your
You're listening to KS Rhodes. The song is Orphaned from the album The Wilderness, which is not where you'd want to be orphaned. Judah Smith and his wife Chelsea are the lead pastors of the City Church in Seattle. Uh, Judah is a well-known speaker at conferences and churches around the world. His new book is called Jesus Is Blank. And in the book, he explores a number of topics that reveal Jesus's purpose for coming, what he accomplished while on earth, and what that means for those who came after. Uh, If you've heard of Judah recently, it's because this book got tweeted by Justin Bieber. Uh, I think it has half a million likes on Instagram, um, where uh, Bieber talked about how much he loves the book uh, and that Judah is his pastor. Uh, he's also, Judah's also really close friends with Masters champion Bubba Watson. He's best friends with Carl Lentz, pastor of Hillsong, New York. Judah's an amazing guy, and it's really cool to see this book exploding the way it is. Our very own Stephanie Smith recently spoke to him. Here's Judah Smith. Could you talk a little bit about the idea that jump-started this book? Because... It was a little bit of a social experiment, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. It started actually as my initial thought was Jesus loves Seattle, which is really original, (laughs) captivating. Um, And then uh, somebody on our creative team just said, hey man, what what if we like left a blank? What if we just, Jesus is blank and let anybody and everybody fill in the blank? So we launched Jesus dash is.org and just told our people about it and made some bumper magnets and and uh, billboards and bus signs and uh before we knew the thing just kind of took off and has really become uh well it is it's the mission statement of our church now kind of visually and um our mission is to show you who jesus is it's been pretty all-consuming now and it's uh Obviously, looking back, I felt like God was was it was in all of it. Why do you think that in our version of Christianity today, we keep coming back to this idea of a clean cut Jesus and a clean cut gospel? Because there seems to be a disconnect. I think it's cleaner. I think that's a, to use the word you just used. I just think it's cleaner. I think it's uh, it's logical. It's cleaner, it's neater, it's calculated. I think the greatest illusion in all of human history is control. We actually think we're in control Mm -hmm. and we think we can control our outcome. We think we can control our life. And so we love it. We're addicted to control more than anything else. And so if, if, if Jesus is, he's calculated, he's clean, everything's clear, there's no blurry lines, there's no messes, then it, 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 it feeds that inner need for, I'm in control, everything's good, but then there's tragedy and there's pain. And the message of grace assumes a horrible mess. It assumes hmm. a horrible mess. There's a mess in society and saving people is messy business. Hmm. It's, it's, it's chaotic, it can't be scheduled, it can't be controlled. It's real people. Well, these are not robots. We're not, we're all wired differently. And we each have a unique soul and we're very unique individuals. And um, Jesus obviously is God, the savior of the universe. 
did not come for a clean, calculated approach. He came in the mess of it all and he got dirty, but was not afraid to be associated, was not afraid to be, well, you're, oh, you're on that side or you're with, or you support that person or you can, you condone their activities. He just, he wasn't concerned with any of that. He was very, very passionately invested to say the very least as he put on skin and bone as mm -hmm. God. The truth is the Pharisees and Sadducees grew up from a premise that, you know, dirty always affects clean. But mm -hmm. Jesus came and for the first time, the new cut, the new, whole New Testament narrative is that the, the dirty now can be made clean. And the woman mm -hmm. with the issue of blood, she touches the hem of his garment. That was that was unlawful because unclean affects clean. But when the unclean touched the clean, the unclean became clean, hmm. which tells us now that the gospel in its nature, in its essence, is far more contagious than even sin itself. And I believe with all my heart that righteousness is contagious, more so than even sin. Hmm. And um, there's a whole message there. I, I don't mean to be preaching. I'm just so pumped about this. But uh, <laughs> anyways. One of the things that uh, I see in a lot of sections of your book seem to point out that Jesus is really the personification of all of these things of God. He is grace. He is, you know, purpose in life. He is joy. He is life. He's he's all of these things. But uh, how would you say that putting a face to these things can really strengthen our faith? Or why is it so important that we have this physical, personal example? Yeah, I think because it's far more easier to abuse a principle than a person. Um, rules don't talk back. Rules are oftentimes black ink on paper. They're just kind of there. They're static. There's no feeling or emotion connected to them. It's just what I should do. I don't want to, but it's what I should do. And the message of the gospel, the message of grace, is not God is commanding you to do what you don't want to do. It's that he's going to crawl on the inside of who you are and actually give you a desire to do what you should do, to do what he calls you to do. God never calls us to do something and doesn't give us the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the beautiful message of, of the gospel. When Jesus is our focus, when Jesus is the personification of grace, for instance, our love for him and his goodness towards us motivates us to live the life of holiness, for instance, or life principled. Um, you know, my wife, we've been married for 13 and a half years, and she is a much better spouse than me, I have to say. <laughs> She's incredible. Never in our 13 and a half year marriage have I thought to myself, because Chelsea, my wife, is so faithful, so committed, so loyal, so gracious, so kind, serves me so well, I could cheat on her and she would be okay with it. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to cheat on her because, you know, no, I've never said that. In fact, just the opposite emotion is conjured up on the inside of me as my wife just loves me and is just unconditionally and so gracious and kind and, you know, just serves me almost to an embarrassing point. In all of that, I go, gosh, I want to love her more. I want to serve her. What can I do for her? I want to write her a card. I want to take her on a romantic date. Let's go have a getaway at a local hotel. You know what I mean? It's, it's the same with Jesus. 
Man, when you see his love and his amazing, extraordinary long suffering with us, it'll motivate you to love him and to serve him and to keep yourself really only for him. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's one of the great benefits of uh, you know being about a person rather than principles. Just thinking about you know the big idea behind your book, who Jesus is, is. At first, it might seem a complex answer, but also it's very simple. And Mm. I think you do a great job in the book making it very, very accessible and, you know, available for anyone to answer and understand. But if there was one thing you would hope that people would take away from your book, what would you say that would be? I would say that if Jesus had one shot to win your heart, If you had one conversation with Jesus, if you could talk to him face to face, he wouldn't talk about the details of your life. He wouldn't talk about your lifestyle. He wouldn't talk about your sin. He would tell you his extraordinary love for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this book is about the main thing, keeping the main thing, the main thing, that there is a God and he loves you with a love. He loves you, me, everybody with a love that is so extravagant, extensive, ridiculous, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely impossible to even comprehend this side of of eternity. Mm -hmm. I hope as well that the heart of the book is to to start an honest conversation, a really honest conversation with people about Jesus, that Christians would stop, in some cases stop talking and start listening, and let people who come from all kinds of backgrounds, and in some cases a lot of challenges, difficulty, and pain, fill in that blank mm-hmm. with a really honest place. Yeah. And um, I at least hope this, I'll say this, I hope that Jesus will be on more minds of people because of this little book, that mm-hmm. people will at least start thinking about him. Because I think life transformation starts in the simplest form, actually having a thought about who is this Jesus guy anyways. God's pretty amazing. You start thinking about his son and uh, he usually gets involved. It's pretty awesome. That was Judah Smith. Check out the book at jesusisbook.com. Follow him on Twitter at Judah Smith. Times are coming to an end finally. Good times are coming. Those good times are coming. Good times are coming to an end. You're listening to Matt Costa. The song is Good Times. Sandra McCracken is an acclaimed folk singer-songwriter with a dozen albums to her credit. Her new one, Desire Like Dynamite, is an album, quote, made the way it should be, she said, uh, featuring a familiar... Uh, McCracken at piano and guitar, her voice alternating between a tender croon and a fragile falsetto, singing poems of insight and intelligence. It's a folk album with hints of country pop and touches of electronica. She's also the wife of Derek Webb. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to her. Here is Sandra McCracken. You've 
been in this long enough now that when you look back at how you first started and the songs you wrote early on, do you feel like you're a, a pretty different songwriter or you're tackling pretty different issues from like over the course of your career? Um, I think in some ways when I reflect on it on the span of, I, I guess it's been about eight records. Um, but when I look back over it, in some ways I feel like the seeds of what I'm doing now were there from the very beginning. Um, I think in the beginning there was a lot of introspection just for, with my personality type and the kind of songwriter I am. There's a lot of introspection that originally was, was me enjoying the sound of the words and the poetry and, um, and I've learned how important it is to actually, um, like I want people to hear it in a way. So I think that my, my path as a songwriter is to learn how to take those introspective thoughts and moments and distill that but not just for me to hear it back, but really because I'm trying to communicate and I'm trying to connect with people. Um, and I think that's the thing I've tried to study and understand more about as in the craft of songwriting is um, what does it take to make that connection um, between my experience and maybe someone else's. As a songwriter and a performer, and even when you're recording, are you doing what you do more as a way to release your own like creative spirit and, and inner demons, or or inner or, or great inner gratitude, or are you actually trying to communicate something out there? Is it more for you or, or more for the audience? You know, I think that it's kind of, it's a it's a almost a mystic combination of the two because when you're the most honest and unfiltered as a writer or um, even if you're not a writer, we're all creative people no matter what your vocation is. So the more unfiltered you can be with um, with just saying, this is how I feel, this is my honest, this is how I feel about this relationship or this change in my life or this environmental crisis or whatever the themes are, the more honest you can be about it, the, the and even in, in great detail, that is what actually makes it more universally understood. And I don't know how that works, but when I listen to, sometimes you'll hear a song and um, you know some of my favorite songs just seem deeply specific to a situation. And I don't know what that person's situation was, but somehow it really connected to my own. So I think it has to be a combination. You have to dig deep, but onto the end that you would actually say something that somebody else would understand. You've gotten increasing, maybe maybe increasingly interested in environmental issues lately. I have, yeah. You know, I 
I think it's something that's always been right there with me, but it hasn't bubbled to the surface until the last five years or so. I feel like my my dad is a biology teacher for years, and you know he taught us a lot of things about nature and science, and it was just part of our daily experience sitting around the table or walking in the woods together. Um, going to Colorado every year, several, two or three times a year. I mean, just these experiences of being out in nature were with me, but I think not until the last five years or so, it's, it's kind of awakened that that part of me is deeply connected to the spiritual side. I think for a long time, I just thought, oh, well, you know, people of faith are on one side of the camp and people that care about you know, the earth or on the other side. And that was really just a political, mm -hmm. that is a political fallacy. I mean, it's, it's a reality, but it's a dichotomy that, that is, um, that I really am wanting to kick against. So I think that combining those two things has been a, a key theme in this record that I just made. I Sandra McCracken. Check out Desire Like Dynamite at SandraMcCracken.com and follow her on Twitter at Sandra McCracken. You're listening to Ivan and Alyosha, or Yvonne and Alyosha. Uh, <laughs> the song is Running for Cover, which is what that mugger at Dunkin' Donuts did. <laughs> it's the theme song for the short that we're going to film. You don't know that donut. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna surprise Tyler in his everyday life with mugging him and see what he says it does. It's gonna be like Betty White's off the rockers. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It'll be a large <laughs> candid camera of people of Tyler getting mugged and very see what he does. Yeah. If if I don't get killed in the process, <laughs> then we'll see if I can get a catchphrase going. <laughs> You're off to a great start, buddy. Off to a donut. <laughs> so the guy the bugger just turns around even though he's scalded by the hot coffee he's laughing he's like seriously what? dude <laughs> uh, that album's all the times we had all the times we had uh, okay it's time for your feedback last week uh, we w was our 10 year anniversary of the magazine the print magazine and in that we it got us thinking about you know how far or how much things have changed over 10 years. And, and looking back, we looked back at a little bit at the first issue, and we thought, knowing what we know now, what would we have done differently on that first issue? Where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we asked you for the feedback uh, to redo the first cover of Relevant. Put yourself back in March 2003, and uh, what, what should have been on our first cover? 
You went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Here's a few of our favorites. Christine Schofield says we should have done a whole thing on MySpace, the face of the future. <laughs> well, well, we do have Kyle that said other articles could include Friendster, social networking goes online, exclamation point, <laughs> along with will Apple ever be able to top the iPod? <laughs> our, our Russian illustrator friend Zinya <laughs> did an that sounds amazing. Like, it sounds like a Facebook gaming company. That, that sounds, sounds like a. It sounds made up. Sounds like an iPod <laughs> knockoff. Are we sure we're not being catfished? <laughs> <laughs> I've exchanged some pretty, uh, you know, intimate. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing weird, just Z- like Zinia, we're sharing a lot of personal stories. Zinya so. is naming your first child. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've agreed to name my child Zinya. Zinya. Well, he posted a a mock up cover. <laughs> the the picture on the cover is a massive picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> oh, with yeah. the cover line "Governator." I swear I will not kill anyone. <laughs> 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 Evidently, we did some sort of memorandum to Johnny Cash in this issue that says oh. no more cash oh. with uh, 1932 to, 19, to 2003. <laughs> 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 he, he also thought MySpace came out. He, he, well, another cover line is, MySpace, no clouds on the horizon. <laughs> 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 Baseball fans will appreciate this. He also has the cover line, The Collapse of the Red Sox. Why Boston will never win the World <laughs> <laughs> He went all out because up above uh, the mass set, there's also iTunes. Will it change the way we listen to music? <laughs> and we, <laughs> this issue features uh, interviews with Nora Jones, Eminem, uh, The Last Beatle, and Martin and Paltrow. <laughs> I guess we did some sort of couple. Uh, uh, interview there, so. That's funny. That's well great. done. Good job. That's, That's why great. I'm naming my first son after you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, there's a lot more. If you want to check out uh, alternate versions, mulligans of our first cover, go over to the podcast episode page or check out our Facebook page. Okay. Before uh, we get to this week's, Question of the week. It's time for our new segment. Oops, I... Where we issue apologies and corrections. Okay, so last week on the show, we decided we needed to brand it because this happens regularly. Um, <laughs> last week on the show... Turned uh, it into a strength. When I was... Uh, right. When we were introducing our, our guest, Joel Houston, we mentioned how he spans the globe, how he does more than is imaginable. He's creative directing Hillsong Sydney. He's, you know, at Hillsong New York. He's got the band. He's touring. He's global. Well, the only conceivable way somebody could do all of this is if they were single. Oh. Come to find out, a year ago, our friend Joel Houston got married. I did not know that. And last week, announced they were pregnant. Oh. So, (laughs) sorry to Joel Houston and his lovely bride. For not knowing she existed. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know he got married. And a very timely congratulations to Joel right. Houston. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and by the way. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Amazing what happens when you don't see a guy for a year and a half. <laughs> a lot can change. A lot can change. So uh, congrats to Joel and his wife. Oops, I... Okay, that'll do it for the corrections and apologies. Apparently, no apologies this week, so that's good. Oh, well, no, apologizing to, to Joel. Yeah. So it was a it was a twofer. 
It was apology and a but correction. But only one. Two and one, sort of. Getting better. Yeah, it was a twofer. All right. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, well, this is a little bit of a hybrid question of the week. So normally, you know, if you're a listener, you know what we do. We, you know, something happened on the show that prompted a discussion that we want to involve you in. You know, so we think back about a segment. We're like, well, you know, if you could contribute to this conversation, what would it, you know, that's usually what we do. What we're doing this week is unprecedented. We're morphing two separate tangents into one question of the week. Which means Chad has to leave both of them in. Right. <laughs> yeah, normally we only select one because we don't know what Chad's going to cut. <laughs> this is called self-preservation. <laughs> um, when you have this much good content, yeah. you just can't help you it. You just can't <laughs> cut it out. So, you know, earlier in the show we were talking about infomercials and got talking about the, the classic infomercial, the current classic, the new classic, the bullet, social party, all the things you can do with the bullet. You have a party, you're making daiquiris, you're making queso, you're making omelets. That's a party and, and a product right there. You could have a Pinterest party of stuff you could make with, with a just a bullet. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Okay, so 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 we got that. We also had the slice about the drive-through teller at Dunkin' Donuts getting mugged and 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 conquering the mugger <laughs> and throwing a catchphrase right in his face mm-hmm. with the coffee, right. with a, a, a pot of steaming hot coffee. <laughs> yeah, and utilizing the Dunkin' Donuts theme. Right. Of, the, yeah. of the mugging at so, her catchers. So what we want to know from you, creative listeners, is this. If you were at a social function where the bullet made an appearance and was charming the group and mm-hmm. you know being the center of the, the evening, and all of a sudden, through the patio door, a mugger sprung onto <laughs> the scene and tried to mug y'all, how would you conquer the mugger, and what would your catchphrase be? <laughs> <laughs> this is us. That's so ridiculous. That's, this is a great. This is, this is. <laughs> so you're at a bullet party. This is a highbrow. You're question. getting mugged, and there's a home invasion. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a dark question. Can I? Can I just throw one example out there? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Okay, so so the mugger walks in, right? He has his, he has <laughs> his through the patio door work. because they're in the kitchen. Right. They're sitting yeah, around yeah. the yeah. island. I mean, we're 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 you know chopping a lot of onions in there. Mm. You know, I need some fresh air to clear all the house. A mugger walks right in and he's like, "Give me all your money, right, or whatever." And I'm like, Can "Okay, okay." Place. And I, I get my wallet and I go, "Real quick, have you seen that latest Stallone movie?" And he goes. What latest Stallone movie? And I go, bullet to the head! And then I throw one of the bullets like, right between the eyes. With it. <laughs> kind of a David and Goliath scenario if it goes yeah, right between exactly. his eyes. Yeah. Um, so. Bullet to the head. So y'all can't use that one. Yeah, sorry. So, so tell us your scenario of conquering the mugger, the patio mugger, and the catchphrase. Go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Sorry to Judah Smith and Sandra McCracken fans who tuned in and didn't hit stop. <laughs> uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast or over at our Facebook Relevant Podcast page. Don't post it on the main Relevant page. They won't understand. <laughs> they won't understand. Relevant <laughs> Podcast. They only. won't understand what's going Keep on. Keep it in the family, folks. Um, many thanks to uh, Judah Smith for talking to us. Make sure to check out his new book, Jesus Is, available everywhere. New York Times bestseller. You can find out more at JesusIsBook.com. Also, make sure to check out Sandra McCracken's new album, 
You can uh, hear it at SandraMcCracken.com. It's also available via iTunes and everywhere good music is sold. Thanks to our episode sponsor, Warby Parker, for supporting the show. Make sure to go check out WarbyParker.com and get your free home try-on pairs and your glasses. It's only $95, and they give a pair to someone in need. They're amazing frames, and you'll mm-hmm. get relevant podcast listeners will get free two-day shipping on your purchase if you put in the promo code relevant. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. Papa Carey. <laughs> apothecary. Right. Father Carey. You're a Papa Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Papa O'Carey. Congratulations, Jesse. We're really excited for uh, you. Yes. We'll yeah, miss man. you. Oh, thanks, week. guys. Over there, that's Ted Michael Snavely. We'll see y'all next week. for listening to the relevant podcast go follow us on twitter at relevant podcast and for more great content check out relevantmagazine.com. mr president take your hands off my tabbouleh